0: On today's show, we're going to be speaking with a top producer and a real estate coach who's only 20 years old. Stay tuned. This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by Real Geeks. How many homes are you going to sell this year? Do you have the right tools? Is your website turning soft leads into interested buyers? And now onto our show. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris, and in just a moment, oh, I'm your guide and host. I got ahead of myself in just a moment, though, and I'm so excited, which is why I got ahead of myself because for the first time on this show, we are speaking to a very young real estate top producer. In fact, she's 20 years old. Her name's Madison Reeves. She's amazing, and she's also a real estate coach. So. I'm so excited, but before we get to Madison, bear with me just a few moments here. Please tell a friend about our podcast. Uh, We've done over 350 episodes, and we keep growing our audience because you tell a friend. So think of any other realtor that you know that could benefit from hearing from our show. Send them a link to keepingitrealpod.com. Every episode we've done can be streamed there. And also, please leave us a review. Whatever podcast app you might be listening, you know, Apple Podcasts, uh, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. Let us know what you think of the show. Leave us a review. All right, enough from me. Let's get on to our interview with Madison Reeves. Today on the show, we have Madison Reeves from Christian Team Real Estate and Keller Williams Black Hills in South Dakota. Let me tell you about Madison. Madison Reeves is a serial entrepreneur and the founder And CEO of the Bridal Project and the Reeves Method, which is an event planning company and coaching program, respectively. She's also an award winning real estate agent, a recipient of the Top 100 Leaders in Real Estate Award, and a top producing sales team leader with Christian's Team Incorporated. Madison is driven to help other entrepreneurs seek growth and take control of their results to accelerate their business and lives. Now, Madison grew up in a poor neighborhood in a small town and was determined to prove that. Anyone could fulfill their utmost potential, regardless of where they came from. Now, after dropping out of college and getting fired from several jobs, that's happened to me too, um, she had seemingly uh, little to no direction in life. And it wasn't until Madison discovered entrepreneurship and creating a life she loved that she found her true calling and purpose in life. Now, she wants to share the liberation of an extraordinary life with others around her. Now, Madison spends her time mentoring other real estate sales agents with production coaching. She also focuses on expanding her real estate team to provide others with the same life-changing opportunity that was provided for her. Now check out Madison's new book, which is called Project Badass, Breaking Out of Your Comfort Zone to Transform from Average to Extraordinary, which by the way, has a perfect five-star review. And it's not like there's just one review. There's lots of reviews. Perfect five-star review on Amazon. It's available there. And of course, everywhere else books are sold. And she's a podcast host. Please check out her show. I know I'm going to, which is called Project Badass, available everywhere, podcast are served but definitely visit her website too which is called which is projectbadassnetwork.com again projectbadassnetwork.com Madison welcome to the show
1: Thank you so much thank you for having me here I'm excited
0: You're our very first South Dakota guest, and um, we've not had a North Dakota guest. And I'm just going to say it: we're never going to have a North Dakota guest because I don't like North Dakota. I'm only teasing. I have no problems with either Dakota, but I am excited to have. I'm always, I always love having people from. You know, we have so many people from California, New York, Mm -hmm. Chicago. uh, You know, Florida, and. I always love talking to, uh, people in, in other States where I'm not as familiar. I was, I was telling Madison just before, not that anyone cares, but I've been to almost all the States in the country and I haven't been to either of the Dakotas and there is a lot to see in both. So I am, um, I'm excited to be talking to you because it reminds me of something I need to do, which is figure out how I'm going to get over there and cross that off of my, uh, my list of visiting every state. But enough about me, nobody cares. Let's talk about you. Um so but, but you do so many different things and and I'm I'm always so um, interested and admiring of people who Come from, you know, maybe a background where a lot of the advantages that a lot of us have have just sort of enjoyed without thinking about m- maybe our backgrounds as much. You know, we just sort of that's our background. I'm always love talking to people who come from maybe a more disadvantaged background, and I don't mean that in any sort of pejorative sense. That's just the reality of your situation, and and that and how they really break through and rise above. I find that so absolutely just inspiring and encouraging, and I'm, I'm really grateful you're here. Um, I would love to start at the beginning of your real estate journey because I know you do a million other things on top of just being a real estate agent, by the way, a top real estate agent. But tell us a little bit about why you chose real estate.
1: Yeah. So um, I guess I'll back up a couple of years before getting my license. Um, I actually graduated high school uh, when I was 16 and I had this whole plan of what I was going to do. And, you know, as that goes, that didn't happen. I went to college, I did a couple semesters of that before realizing it wasn't really for me. So I ended up dropping out and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, I was making like, I don't know, like $12,000 a year as a barista. Um, and I was, I was very much just in the, the mindset of I don't know what to do. I don't know what the next steps are. I don't have like a college education, that's how I was raised. You have to get a college education in order to have a good job. So. I discovered real estate after purchasing my first home with my ex-husband and I was like, well, I'm not doing anything else. I kind of like this. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and get my license. Um, and I got licensed in the state of South Dakota, like a month after I turned 18 and I started selling right away. Wow.
0: <laughs> well, let us I'm going to pause for a second because I want everyone to absorb this idea of um somebody getting their license which people can do in most states at 18 you could do it here in illinois as well and imagine you know then you now have this arduous task of convincing people that an 18 year old knows enough to actually help them with this massive financial purchase or sale and that in and of itself is a huge mountain to climb so i just want to honor you for having the courage. Uh, or maybe, maybe it's a desperation slash courage thing, but either way, the, the courage to follow through as an 18 year old, I was, I was still like working. uh, I mean, I was, I was going to college, but I, I, the idea of even starting a career was so far away from me. I really honor you for, for having the courage, but let's talk about it. What was it like as an 18 year old to then get your license?
1: yeah so um i i often get asked because you know i will be 21 in july so i'm still very young i've only been in this business for three years um but i get a lot of people that ask me you know and i i focus mainly on multifamily and investments so i work with investors who you know they've got a lot of money to put into real estate and it's just never been an issue Um, i've just never had anybody question it my age or my experience but you just have to come with confidence and knowing what you're doing um, and I contribute a lot of that to. So, backing up a little bit, I was on my first team within Keller Williams for six months. And I did about five transactions, which for six months, amazing. All my sphere of influence. Um, I liked it, but it wasn't really the best fit for me, team and culture wise. So, I ended up transitioning to Christian's team. Um, In April of 2020. So, like, right when the world ended.
0: (laughs) Right at the perfect time.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it could have gone really bad, but luckily, uh, you know, a pro of living in South Dakota is we never shut down. And in Ah. fact, our real estate industry like exploded. Sure, sure. uh, Between April and the end of the year. So, my first eight months on Christian's team, I actually did 38 transactions. So that, if, well, hold on, hold
0: on, but, but yeah. we got to pause because to you, this is like, you already know all this. I want everyone to hear that. And by the way, you were what, 20 at the time or in 1920 around there?
1: I just turned 19.
0: Yeah, 19 year old doing 38 transactions in, it and it's not like you didn't grow up in a real estate family, your sphere of influence, you had already sort of exhausted that. And by the way, who's got a sphere of influence at 18? Nobody. So that in yeah. and of itself to do five transactions in six months, that's amazing. And then to then go on and join a new team as a 19 year old i'm only laughing because it's so absurd if you wrote that into a hollywood movie about your life the notes back you'd get from from the production company would be like well that's not believable we're we're just not we can't do that so uh, really amazing
1: right well thank you i appreciate that so yeah i mean it was a whole new Like, wow. Okay. This is what it's supposed to be like. I found my people. Um, I know what I'm doing. I have the right training and the resources, but the coolest thing that happened in those eight months while I was selling all this real estate is I discovered that I wanted to be a coach. And, um, so in January of 2021, so last year I transitioned into the role of sales team leader. And basically what that means is that my job is to find talent and recruit them onto the team, and I'm responsible for helping them into production. So um, I started in that in at the beginning of last year. And last year I hired probably about five agents and I did about 12 million in in sales. (laughs) Um, of course so unbelievable this, this pretty good year um that, that's amazing and this year, though my goal is really to get out of production um i'll probably do about 15 million in production this year and then i'll be done so i'm going to focus just on coaching as of the end of the year and really just finding the right people for the team expanding into other states and uh, helping them do what i did and you know be able to produce a lot and meet their goals they have so
0: Wow, uh, unbelievable! And you, you still can't legally drink alcohol. That's an amazing <laughs> series of accomplishments. Just, just to just to put a just to put like a benchmark to it. I don't mean there's anything no, about alcohol, but, anything. but just the idea of that is is so uh, unbelievably mature of you. Um, and I, I really, that's I, I'm a bit uh, awestruck. So congratulations on all that success. Um, let's talk a little bit about. Um, and oh, I want to back up for one moment because you talked about working with investors, and a lot of our audience uh, really doesn't doesn't do that. They're more traditional realtors who are you know helping people buy and sell primary residences most likely. However. Um, Madison, I asked her that question earlier, and we didn't really go back to it. I just want to follow up on it and explain why I think um, her answer made sense to me, but maybe not to the audience, which was, I said, it must have been tough to convince people to help them you know, buy or sell homes when you're so young and inexperienced. And she was like, yeah, it really wasn't an issue. And she did a lot of multifamily investor stuff. And the reason, my guess, the reason why that age wasn't a factor Really, probably didn't have as much to do with Madison's competence or confidence, which she clearly has both. But it's probably a lot of what investors really are looking for are the deals. They don't really; um, it's not as important to them um, what the pedigree or, or the experience. They just want—they're they're numbers people. They want to see—they want to see the numbers. And Madison went out and found amazing deals and said, "Look, if you don't if you don't want to invest in this, there's lots of other people that can." So, am I am I on the right track with that? Is that why age didn't matter as much?
1: I think that was definitely part of that, especially with the investors. Um, so the reason that I love doing investment real estate is because there's no emotions. It's very right. emotional in residential real estate. Um, they're buying their first house or the home that they're going to raise their kids in. Like, it, it's a big deal. But in, in uh, investment real estate, even though I'm selling residential investment and not really diving into the commercial world, but the investors don't care. Facts don't care about feelings in this world. So- Right just looking for someone who's going to work the nights and weekends to run numbers on a hundred different deals before we find the right one. And to just honestly shoot them straight, you know, don't you know, push them around or tell them things that just to make them feel better. If you just tell them how it is, like they, a lot of people appreciate that.
0: Let's also, and you're, you're, you're a recruiter and a coach. And to me, those are oftentimes one in the same in this industry. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes it's, the managing brokers are the ones that often have to do uh, the recruiting, and and I'm somebody who does recruiting for our company, and I am not the managing broker, thankfully, and I get to devote a lot of time to that, and I I know what that cha- the challenges in in that p- piece are. I don't do coaching, thankfully, um, that would be uh, something that I wouldn't be very skilled at, but I admire that that you're doing both, and I'm curious on when wow. you're out there, and I'm curious when you're out there looking for talent because I think this will help a lot of the listeners who maybe are solo practitioners, it's just them, they're not on a team. And Right now, of course, teams are so prominent in the news and and in in the communities, like that just seems to be where uh, real estate is headed um, and and is heading and has been heading. And it's very common. And so we get a lot of questions from our audience that are like, how do we go about finding the right team? Um, Well, I'm so grateful to have you because you're somebody that's looking for team members. And I'm curious, um, of course, we want to make sure we, for anyone in your local area that we talk about, if they're interested in joining your team, how they might join you. But... I would love to hear what you look for in, in an agent because you also talked about developing talent. So it doesn't necessarily, I, I'm, the way I heard it was, yes, I'm sure you'd love to have top 1% producers exclusively on the team, um, but I like. it sounds like you also bring on newer agents and really try to build up their productions. And so I'm curious on when you're out there trying to look for, for talent to join the team, what do you look for?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So before I answer that question, it's important to understand that there's really three types of talents, so or talented people. So you have proven talent, emerging talent, or potential talent. So whenever I'm meeting with someone who goes, you know, oh, I'm thinking about real estate, maybe they already have their license and they're selling a couple deals, but they're doing it part-time, I really like to categorize them into... Whether they're you know proven emerging or a potential talent because it, it's different for everybody, but really what i'm looking for. Um, what I'm, I'm looking to recruit someone to the team is somebody who has a track record of success and doesn't have to necessarily be in real estate, but um, with my age, I attract a lot of younger people naturally. And they go, wow, Madison, look at all these things that you're doing, the opportunities that you have. Like, I want to do the same thing. And that's, that's great and everything, but having that, you know, when was the first time you tried to make money on your own? I actually ask that in every interview because I get questions from, you know, I was doing a lemonade stand when I was seven or eight so that I could buy popsicles because my mom wouldn't give me allowance or, you know. But that counts,
0: right? And that's, that's important.
1: Yeah. I mean, having that entrepreneurial spirit's really important. Um. And just making sure that they're, you know, they're, they're talent and they have, they're willing to take ownership. They're not, um, they don't have any victim mentality. And really the biggest one for our team is that they're a good culture fit, Mm -hmm. because if you can fit in with our culture and if you work hard, um, we will find you the right seat on the bus. And, uh, that's, that's just really what it comes down to, but it's asking the right questions, having them self-develop of or uh, self-discover, I should say, of whether real estate is really right for them or not. So we have a very extensive, very extensive interview process. They go through like five or six interviews before we give them the yes.
0: Wow, that's, (laughs) um, but I guess, I guess that's really smart because, um, you want to make sure they're the right fit you want to make sure they can handle five or six interviews because we all know that oftentimes um especially you know when it's somebody who's not in your existing sphere of influence who may hire you to help them buy or sell a property um they might be they might be interviewing a number of different realtors as well you're probably you might be third on the call sheet for you know going in for a listing presentation so this idea that they can continue to come back and it's almost like an indicator of can you handle five or six interviews, which is a lot. And that's hard for a lot of people. It's stressful, but it's also a great weed out system. I'm sure to say, Hey, we, we, we need to make sure that you're the right fit. Cause we're going to invest a lot of time and energy in you, Mr. Or Mrs. Agent. And we want to make sure that, that you can handle our process and it's not to torture them. Of course, you guys really want to make sure it's the right fit, but that's really interesting. I love that process because it I'm sure there are some people that just self-select out and just go, you know, this isn't for me.
1: I mean, after I can't tell you how many times I've had the first interview, and they're like, they just don't show the second one. <laughs> All right, well, but I mean, and our our interview process is set up that way. We also have a very extensive training process. Their first ninety days are are very full on. But the way I see it is, this is a this is a hard industry. You know that. I know that. There are there are days where we don't want to continue to do our job. It's difficult. And if they can't handle five or six interviews and the training process we put them in the first 90 days they're probably not going to cut it in there in the industry and uh it's it's kind of it's maybe comes across as a little mean or or whatever but it's just the truth i mean
0: it is, it is the truth. And I, I, I want to talk about this idea that I know is really important to you. Um, and I want to set it up a little bit with this idea of learning how to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Um, and I mean, when I say uncomfortable, I mean, uncomfortable, healthy things that we all go, you know, I should be doing more of or less of X. Um, but you maybe find yourself not, not finding, doing that because it's uncomfortable. Um, I, I met a woman, uh, many, many years ago, it was a writer and she had this really interesting uh, project for the, for a year, every week, she wrote down a lot of fears and like challenges and insecurities and and things that were just like, oh, I don't do that. Or I couldn't do that. Or that's just not who I am. Um, and she said, every week I'm going to tackle one of these things. And I said, by the end of this year, you are going to be completely like unstoppable because nothing all these things, you know, if you can find the courage to step into the fire and and you know be a tra- do do a trapeze class, which was one of the things she did. Um, and, and it's not like you're going to conquer your fear of of heights per se, but now you're like I can still do that even though I'm terrified. I'm curious on how important it is. In, in, I mean, again, you have done so many things at such a young age all of which are really things that young people your age don't do. Let's be honest, they don't start podcasts, they don't become top real estate agents and they certainly don't coach people, right? That is a very awesome thing that, that I'm, I'm really proud of you only knowing you for a short time, but I'm like, wow, that is incredible. But that's you stepping outside of your comfort zone. So I'm curious, uh, let's talk about that. How important is it to learn how to step into discomfort?
1: Yeah, it's I. I mean, it's what I wrote my book about. My entire book about it, or is about getting out of your comfort zone. So, um, with that being said, I I love the way that your friend that you're talking about did it because I kind of do the same thing. Um, I believe getting out of your comfort zone is a muscle, and the more you work a muscle, the stronger that it that it gets. So um, I try to push myself to do things that I don't want to do. Um, but usually it's things like, um, for example, I was in Vegas last year and I did not want to jump off this building, but I jumped off the building because I was, didn't want to do it. You know, basically, uh, (laughs) if I ever am like, oh, that would be kind of fun to do. And then I start thinking and get in my head and go, oh, I don't want to do it. Like I have to do it then. So, you know, whether that's jumping out of planes or shark diving or, traveling into a different country by yourself. Like I really push myself, um, out of my comfort zone in my personal life. And that builds that muscle. It makes that muscle stronger so that it translates over into business as well.
0: But it, it it's a muscle. So it needs to yeah. be exercised often, yeah. right? Because like, I, I mean, and and it's okay to feel fear, right? It's okay. It's it's a normal human reaction. We all feel it. Um, every time I go into the gym and it's lower body uh, day, like leg day, I'm like, I hate this. It's scary. It hurts. It's the worst. And but I but I just have to do it. I don't have to. I don't have to like fall in love with working out my my quads because I I don't understand people who like that. But right. there are people, of course, that do. But all I have to do is do the exercise. And if I can just shut off my brain enough to go, Hey, you know what? It's healthy for you. It's a good idea. Just do it. Um, then I, I get to feel proud of myself, especially, and I, I think that's, that's really something that doesn't get talked about enough is the feeling of pride that you have in doing something that's really difficult. And you are somebody that is constantly doing incredibly difficult things. Um, can we talk a little bit about that, that even if maybe the goal doesn't get achieved in the, like, whatever the outcome you really want are, I I have always been way more impressed with my own effort than the actual results. Cause the results kind of like they either happen or they don't, but if I can, if I can get myself just to take action, um, which is the hardest part, I think if you can do that, if I can do that, um, then I end up going, well, it might not have worked out the way I wanted to, but boy, that was hard. And I did that. And I get a little pat on the back, a self pat on the back.
1: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that it just comes down to, Fear is a natural human emotion and we all, we all experience it quite frequently. It just, it matters how you do it, how you handle it. Um, you know, don't let it shut you down, but let it wake you up. And, um, and the more that you do these difficult things, the more that your subconscious mind is going to go, Oh, okay. I have the capability to complete all of these things. So. And speaking towards like the where you're regarding the actions, that's actually something that I coach all of my agents on when goal setting. So we goal set to things that you have in your direct control. Yeah, of course, we have an outcome that we want to get. So put this in terms that you know real estate agents that are listening to this can understand. If my outcome is to get an under contract, to get a property under contract, That's not my goal. My actual goal is to, you know, have 25 two-way conversations with leads in my CRM. Because you can control that. Yep. So that's what I teach all of my agents, because we're kind of setting ourselves up for failure. If we're goal setting things that we can't control, you know, so for another example would be, I set a goal to write and publish my book, but I'm not, the outcome of course, is I want to sell as many copies as possible. I want to be a bestseller. I want to have a ton of reviews, whatever. I want it to be amazing, but my goal is writing it because I can control that. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I teach every every agent that I work with. And I, I personally think that it's very effective.
0: I, I, um, I agree. And I was thinking about a joke that um, I, I've, I write uh, humor, uh, I've been doing that for a long time, and and some oftentimes people will ask who know that I write, they'll say, oh, what's the funniest joke? I'm not really a joke person, but I say, what's the funniest joke you ever heard? And I say, well, I don't know if it's the funniest, but I like this joke. Probably the the most of any joke I've ever heard because it's the truest thing I've ever heard. Um, and and this isn't a religious statement at all. It just happens to have a little bit of uh of religion in it. So I apologize for anyone listening who who doesn't like the word God. Um, which by the way, I'm not trying to to say anything other than it's just th- this joke has it. So the joke is, um, and it's a really simple. It's not even really a joke. It's we make plans, God laughs, and I always thought. That is so perfect because it's exactly what you're talking about there's a lot of things that we just don't control, you know, things happen whether something goes under contract whether it doesn't, whether your book becomes, you know, international bestseller or it sells a modest number of copies again, a bit outside of your control. But there are things you can do like jumping on podcasts, of course, promoting it, making sure that you're getting your name out as best you can, which that you can you you can control. Um so I always like that joke. That if you you could if you want to use that as a, as in the number, name of your next book, that that's uh there's there's uh there's but maybe Maybe there's a better way to say it but i always love that joke um i want to talk about money mindset because you are somebody who who talks about not coming from a, a super uh you know it, it economically advantaged background, right? So it's not like you grew up with all this extreme wealth and you just know what it's like to sell, you know, expensive homes or help people um, be, in that way, because it wasn't your your background. Um, how did you change your mindset to then begin to allow for like working with investors or even just people, you know, wanting to buy or sell, you know, homes that might be different from the kind of home homes that you grew up in? Oh, uh, you're muted. Sorry.
1: Crap. Sorry. I have like a lot. No, no
0: problem. I was like, oh my gosh, something just went wrong, which by the way, that happens too, but it didn't. Uh, Madison accidentally muted herself. So um, you heard my question though. Go right ahead.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What I said was, that's a great question. (laughs) And to put it into perspective, I actually grew up in a town of about 5,500 people. Very small, like everybody knows everybody. There's no secrets. And my family grew up very poor um, monetarily. We always, you know, had food on the table, roof over our head, and clothes on our backs. But it was definitely more of like a poor mindset when it came to money as well. What was expected of me when I was growing up and becoming an adult was to get a job that pays, you know, ten to fifteen dollars an hour, work forty hours a week. You know, I'd probably get a husband. He worked too. We have a couple of kids live in a, you know, a small, but decent house. And like, that was, that was good for me. Sure. So what really changed my money mindset was when I joined the real estate team I'm on now. And it was mostly because I was in in the environment with all of these people who were making so much more so much more money than I was and were doing things with that money and was they were you know improving their lifestyle. and I'm like, okay, so I need to jump on the boat or not. Um, and so you know, we are the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. And I just found that being in a room of, you know ten people and those other ten people are making over six figures, and I made twelve grand last year. I need to get my shit together (laughs) and,
0: and you see that it's possible. You're like, Oh, now I know people who do this and they're doing the same thing I'm doing. And maybe they're more skilled because I'm newer, but I can learn how to do that. Like, why couldn't I do that? Yeah.
1: I mean, success is simple. It's not easy. All you have to do is just follow the clues that people leave, um, you know, of what they did that you want to accomplish as well. And it, it is quite simple. The hard part is staying consistent and, you know, doing it when you don't see results come right away. So
0: I, I've always thought that was something that agents, you know, this, this whole, podcasts that that I do is really very simple. I, I talk to the top 1% of agents across the country and I say, how'd you do that, right? It's a very simple concept. And I, when I first started uh, doing the show uh, b- before i actually started you know producing i went well the biggest challenge is going to be guests because you know people are going to be who these top producers going to be too busy to talk they're not going to have time they don't care about my stupid podcast they're just not interested and um also there, there these are people i don't hang out with you know we have a lot of people agents at our firm but i don't really go out and meet uh, agents at other firms and it was just the opposite i found that some of these top al- almost we almost never get turned down and it's not because i'm so special, I'm not. But it's just because I reached out and said, hey, would you share your story? And I think that's a huge lesson um, for uh, anyone listening who maybe is struggling. And, and Madison just said, it's a re- really important thing. You know, we are maybe the average or the sum of the five people we hang out with the most. And we're not here to say, you need to ditch all of your friends. What we're here to say is there are people you can emulate and hang out with. And by the way, when you ask somebody, can I take you for a cup of coffee and find out how you did that? Um, that is an incredibly flattering thing. And more often than not, they're going to be so honored that you you did that. And they're going to just tell you everything they <laughs> they did to become successful. Um, so I, I really appreciate you saying that because getting around people who who have, who especially people who started without like a sphere of influence and people who didn't right. necessarily have what a lot of people think are what you need to be successful right away. Um, those are people you wanna hang out with and learn. Um, but I wanna also talk about how do you identify what, cause I know this is important to you. How do you identify, and as a coach you do this a lot, Sorry, I interrupted myself twice. How do you identify what's holding you back from success?
1: So um, that's a great question. I um, have always been very self-aware. It's probably one of my best soft skills, and it was just something I naturally developed. Um, it definitely, it's a muscle. You can strengthen it over time the more that you use it. Um, but I, I mean, I have a coach, will call me out if I need to be called out because that's good for everybody (laughs) so that's a big part of it but it's just being really in tune with yourself and having clarity on where you're going if I didn't know what my outcome was long term short term in the next year five years whatever that looks like it's really hard to be self-aware with yourself because you don't know the direction you're supposed to be following so when I'm thinking about things that you know if I know my direction and if I know my, um, you know, where I'm trying to get to, and I have real clarity on that, but I feel like I'm being held back from something. Well, then all I have to do is just do some investigation to figure out what that is and then fix it because I know where I'm going. So clarity is a huge, a huge priority for me and my businesses. And it's what I coach all of my agents because you don't know what you don't know. So um, it's really important to really outline all that and get everything down on in black
0: and white and on paper. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, Really well said. And I want to back up for a moment because uh, Madison, who is a coach also has a coach. Like what do coaches need coaches? Of course they do. (laughs) Of course they do. Right. Um, And it's not because you're young and you're like, well, I've only been in the business a few, three years. I don't really, it's you, you'll probably have a coach when you're 75 years old, I'm guessing, because Because coaches, like you said, they can identify our blind spots. And it's not because you're like not motivated or obviously you're disciplined and you're not stupid. And you're not like, well, I'm just gonna let someone else fix all my problems. No, you're a take charge, go get get her independent woman. Uh, by the way, and and, and this is a, a, I'm so glad we're having you on during women's history Month. just funny timing, because I think you are a great example of what, what, you know, not just what a woman can accomplish, but what anyone can, but I'm glad I'm talking to you this month. Um, but, um, I want to talk about, um, choosing a coach and I know that you do coaching. And by the way, um, are you interested in our audience? If our audience reaches out to you to, to do coaching, or are you only coaching people on your team and in your immediate area?
1: So I do, I do have some openings for independent coaching. Um, I only take on a few people at once just based on my schedule. So I actually only have three openings right now. But yeah, anybody in any industry, real estate or not, if they're interested, they can absolutely reach out to me.
0: I love that. Um, and let's talk about, so we, we talked about maybe how to identify some of the challenges and we all have challenges. It's normal. If you didn't have challenges, you're lying to yourself or you're just unaware. Everyone has challenges. You're going to have challenges your whole life. That's why coaches are so great. You know, that's why therapists are so great. There's so many professions designed to help people with their human challenges. Um, but once we sort of figure that part of it out and sort of know ourselves a bit better, um, then- I want to talk about choosing, sort of making choices um, that really help you to, to go in the direction that you want, despite the fact that you have challenges, because we all have them. Um, and really, I think we're talking about mindset. I know that's a big a big thing for you. So how do you go about staying in in a mindset that is supportive to you, especially in those moments where things aren't going well?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. So really, it's it's funny that you brought this up because this topic is uh, exactly what I talked about in my first episode that I published for my podcast. So I'll, you know, if you want to listen to it and uh, dive deeper into it. But basically where it comes into is your big why. Why do you do what you do every single day? If you don't know what motivates you, um, then it's really easy to you know, get held up when there's big challenges or objections. It's easy to, you know, I don't want to lead generate today because it's boring and I don't want to be told no or hung up on, you know, or I don't want to do this showing all of that crap that we all deal with. We all hear that it's our drunk monkey on our shoulder, but if we know where we're going and why we're doing it, we have that clarity there. There's a lot of power in it. Um, so I talk a lot about this in the first episode of my podcast, actually, which worked out perfectly for timing wise. Um, But there's this Japanese um, theory, basically, where uh, your calling and your big why is basically the intersection of what you love, what you're great at, what the world needs and what you can get paid for. So that's really your big why. And if you can discover that and lead with that and make decisions in your business and your lifestyle with that, um, I found at least that I don't have the mindset of, oh, I don't want to do that today because I'm working for something bigger than myself.
0: Yeah. It's more than the current challenge that's right in front of you at that moment. Right. So like I I can think about it in relationship. It's easy for me. um, I'm in a relationship um, to get mad at my girlfriend if she does something or says something that I don't like. And we all struggle with these parts of, of relationships. Right. It's easy for me to be like, oh, you said this or you did this or and we can do that back and forth, of course. And yeah, fine. Whatever. Is it productive? Probably not. But it's easy to do it when there's this immediate problem or challenge. This actually just came up this morning. We had a slight disagreement. So I was like, oh, I'm getting all upset. And then I and then I had to take a breath and I had to say, What's my long-term goal here? Oh, I want to marry this person and I want to spend the rest of my life with them. And they're like the most amazing person I've ever met. So even though in the immediate moment I'm struggling. Uh, with this you know interaction which is like no big deal uh but in the moment it feels like everything and then or, or you know the client hangs up on you or whatever the deal falls through or whatever your struggles are um and then you go back to okay yeah bumps in the road happen. Um, but this is the most amazing person I've ever met. And that helps reset. So I, I'm I'm curious um, on, on how you reset when you're in that, you know, your why. Um, and and do you have any techniques about going back to your why in those moments of like extreme hardship where you're like, oh, this is just not working?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's that's another great question. So this is actually a technique that my my coach shared with me. So basically, when we face problems, we need to um, I'm getting ahead of myself. So we're looking at two scales. So I want you to imagine that we have a scale over here from one to 10 and a scale over here from one to 10. Now this scale over here is my level of mindset um, and my commitment to my big why. So let's say just for example sake, on a scale of one 10 or one to 10 on this side, I'm a six. If my problem is an eight, when I'm a six, it's gonna feel like the world is ending. Yeah. But if my problem is a two, when I'm a six, it's not even a bump in the road. So basically what my, what my business coach taught me is that you need to continue to move yourself up on this scale Got so it. that these problems become smaller.
0: So in my example of getting upset with my girl, I hate to say this because if she listens, she's going to be so uh, <laughs> upset that I'm airing our grievances, but really it's no big deal. Um, uh, we're, we're doing, I hope we're doing good, but uh, no, we are. Oh, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But uh, no, I would never, I would never, if we were really having problems, it would not be talked about on the show. But, um, but I'm using it as example because it came up, but here's, here's what you really just, just said to me. Um, I get your mindset in order first, and that's the part we can control. I can't control if someone says something crappy to me, or if my girlfriend's having a bad day and just kind of, you know, has a bad moment. Um, Of course, that's those moments are going to happen, but and, and in this case, I hadn't got my mindset in the right spot before that happened because I didn't think to do that. And had I had woken up in the morning and for 20 seconds gone, remember this? Amazing person lying next to you. Like, this is the person who wants to spend the rest of her life with me. Like, how lucky am I? And that might have helped shoulder some of this, um, this, this particular interaction we had hours later. So, what we're really talking about is that's what you can control. You can control waking up and, and putting yourself in the right mindset, but you have to go first, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. You know, if you're a two on this one and you get a five, I mean, it literally feels like the world is ending. So, and it could be something so simple, but you don't have the skills and the knowledge or the mindset to be able to deal with that. So it feels like, you know, you're trying to climb up Mount Everest here.
0: I just, last night, I have to, I have to share this. I'm so sorry. I feel like I'm hijacking our interview, but I, I think this will be really helpful because it blew my mind. I I'm in a DBT class. And if people don't know what that is, it's, it's a, it's called dialectic behavior therapy. And I'm very fortunate to be in this course. It's very hard to, to get into them right now that it's very popular. And it's basically considered the gold standard in emotional regulation and mindfulness. And it's, it's a set. It's not therapy in the traditional sense of lying on a couch and talking about your life. It's just learning skills. And we learned a skill last night that absolutely blew my mind. My mind—it's so simple, and I won't go into it. But it's called cope ahead. And what I loved about it—the idea is that you can sort of uh, fantasize or, or or imagine what situations which will be difficult. Um, and we all know in real estate, every transaction there's a, there's a wrinkle. There's at some point something goes wrong, and it seems like the end of the world. And so we're talking about mindset, right? So this idea that you can even fan—I I just fantasize isn't the right word, but you can imagine, you can vividly imagine. There's something that is going to go wrong in every part of your life at some point. And you can't predict when that is or what that is, but you can be honest about it and say, hey, I've got this really big sale right now and and everything's going smooth. But at some point there's going to be a problem and that's just how things go. And I'm going, and so we learned this skill last night called cope ahead, where you can vividly imagine yourself going through something that's going to suck. (laughs) It's going to suck to get that call that says, you know what? I don't want to work with you anymore or whatever. And, and, and you can do your best to go, okay, how am I going to react? And you can actually imagine yourself as the person. And it isn't, um, what's so great about it is it's not a sort of a loser's mentality, it's being honest and saying things are going to go wrong. And how do I give myself the best possible mindset so that when it happens, like you were saying, it's a two, as opposed to a nine, um, right. because I've already prepared in advance of what what, what resources I need in order to, uh, to to be able to handle that when it happens. And then like you're saying, it's not as big of a deal. Um, so I apologize for, for, for going on a little bit of a rant there
1: no I, and that actually plays perfectly into what i wanted to mention next is the more that you um build and grow your mindset um you're continuing to work that logical problem solving muscle and as, you know, kind of a repeating theme of today's uh, conversation, but to be honest with you, I actually like enjoy those problems. It's kind of weird, but you know, when I get a phone call on a transaction and it's like, okay, well, this is probably going to be an issue. I'm like, all right, well, I like to solve the problems. So I don't even see it as like a really big issue anymore because I know that I have this skill set and the mindset in order to handle whatever comes my way
0: because you practice having the mindset that allows you to handle those situations. And it like any other muscle that like you were saying, it gets stronger and things become less important because yeah. you realize they're all just blips in the road. There's, there's peaks, there's valleys. I win some, I lose some, it all just happens. And, um, instead of looking at the garden saying, there's no weeds, there's no weeds, there's no weeds. It's like, no, the weeds will take over if, if you don't acknowledge them. And what you're saying is I, it's not that my life is perfect, or I want it to be perfect, because that's silly. But this idea that my life is manageable, I can handle the imperfections of life. And that is the real, in my mind, that's the most important skill set anybody can have. It's the best thing you can do for mindset. And your book teaches people how to do that. I want to remind everyone, if you're not that you're just tuning in now, but remind everyone, Madison has a book that tells you all about this. And you know, you might think, well, gosh, she's 20 years old. What is she? What kind of wisdom does she have? She has enough wisdom to have written an amazing book that has amazing reviews. She has a publicist. She's a real estate coach. She's on one of the most successful teams in the state, and she goes out recruiting talent. And probably you don't probably even meet a lot of people who are as young as you uh, in this industry. So check out her book, which is called Project Badass. Um, You can find it on Amazon, everywhere else, and her brand new podcast, which is called also project badass, which you can visit, uh, project badass network.com. I want to ask you one last question. Okay. Um, so, uh, This question is, what's one piece of advice that you would have for our audience? Again, some of them are top producers, some of them are brand new and or people who are struggling in between. Um, What's one piece of advice that you would say if you were coaching our entire audience, which are all different people, uh, what's one universal piece of advice that you find really works for everybody?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. So um, the biggest shift in my business as a real estate agent was when I started to think like a business owner and not just a real estate agent. So real estate agents get in this habit where they are just focusing on the next deal. What's the next deal? What's the next deal? Versus thinking of it as the CEO who is working on developing a successful Full scale business. So, you know, what does that look like? I have systems in place. I know my numbers. I know what I need to do and what I need to produce in in sales. I know where I'm going. I have that clarity piece of where I want to end up and I'm really treating my real estate business like a business and not just uh, you know, where the next deal is. And the reason that is so important is because when you shift over to that business owner mindset versus just a real estate agent, we're really more in uh, an abundance mindset. So we're not worried about the deal that falls apart or the one, you know, the for sale by owner who hangs up on you or the expired listing who wants to take a different agent. We're not worried about that because we see the bigger picture and we know where we're going. That would be my biggest piece of advice.
0: I love that. And it really, again, distances you from the immediacy of any challenge when you have that that sort of long-term vision. And again, I always think direction is is so important. It's like, I just want to head in this direction. And that might be your vision. Whereas I don't know where I'm going to end up, but I'm heading in this direction. It's a very specific direction. I love direction. And if if, if you're heading in a direction, yeah, stuff's going to fly at you all the time. That's just part of the deal. And this, so I, I, I love every, every part of your messaging today. Um, and the fact that you are this clear about how to help people at such a, uh, an early age of, of your life is maybe the most incredible part of it all is that most people, I know I didn't have it figured out before I turned, uh, well God, I don't know, mid 30s maybe. Um, so this idea that you you have a, a huge jump is is really amazing. And I am really excited to follow your trajectory and your growth. Um, you know, over the years, because you're not done uh, evolving as well, and so I'm very excited <laughs> if you've done all of this um, by uh, by your current, you know, your early age. And I and I don't mean to say that with any sort of neg- negative. It's just very unique, and I I honor you for that. So I want everybody to really check out what Madison is up to. ProjectBadassNetwork.com is where you can go to learn about the book, the podcast. Um, th- this, you know, I, I'm sorry.
1: The coaching if they are interested in coaching with me it's on my website as well
0: yeah and could you mind sharing your email address for anyone out there who wants to just reach out directly to you um do you have an email that that they can uh meet uh, sort of via, communicate with you that way
1: yeah absolutely so the best place to reach out email would probably be hello at themadisonreeves.com
0: awesome so check out project badass the, the podcast, go buy the book. And this is somebody who is, uh, I mean, she's already a superstar and she's going to be going on to do bigger things and she's going to be helping a lot of people along the way. So you want to hitch your wagon to somebody that is all about helping, because that is just, you know, the most important thing I found in life is having supportive people in my orbit who say, I know how to help you with that. Assuming you want to be helped. And Madison is devoting a good chunk of her life to doing just that. So if you're looking for a coach, she's an amazing person. If you're in the South Dakota area, uh, state, and you're looking for a team to join, she wants to talk to you too. It's Christian's team real estate with Keller Williams. I mean, what's better than Keller Williams, right? Gary Keller, he's the the king. And and you get all of their training. And of course, all of Madison's help along the way. So definitely check them out as well. Uh, Madison, I am so, so grateful to have you on the show today. Um, You're amazing inspiration, and I'm excited to uh, be able to introduce you to our audience. So thank you. On behalf of our audience, thank you for spending time today. I know you don't have time to do this, so thanks. (laughs) And also on behalf of Madison and myself, we want to thank our audience for continuing to listen, watch, support our show. Um, So after you're done subscribing to her podcast and buying her book, one, two things we ask you to do. One, tell a friend about this episode. Best way to do that, just send them a link to our website, keepingitrealpod.com. And every one of our episodes can be streamed right there, or if they're a podcast person, just pull up a podcast app, search for keeping it real, hit that subscribe button. And then last, please leave us a review, whatever podcast app you might be listening to us on. Let us know what you think of the show. Um, You don't have to give us a five-star review if you don't want to, but we hope you do, but let us know good and bad. We want to continue to improve. The show is for our audience and any information you can provide us will help us continue to get better. So thank you so much, Madison. Um, We're honored to speak to you and we wish you continued success.
1: Awesome. Thank you. (laughs)